Good morning. It's good to be back with you all again. This time I brought my family with me. They're prettier than I am. They're cuter than I am. They're funnier than I am. Uh, no, it's a joy to have our whole family uh, with you as well. If you don't know me, and there's many here I don't know, I'm Dan, one of the pastors uh, out east. Uh, last time I was here, maybe a month or so ago, we didn't have a name. We were just that random church out there that was brand new that didn't have a name yet. Uh, and maybe you've heard we are officially rooted church now. Um, but uh, it is good to be with you guys and to gather, to worship, uh, to fellowship, and to, to put our thoughts now to Christ. Uh, our passage this morning is Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. So let's start by reading that together. I've got the NAS. If you have a different version, that's okay. Uh, but let's read together, and we will ask the Holy Spirit to be with us and to illuminate the word for us. Uh, let's read. Paul writes, Philippians 4, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle and the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Father, this is your word. So Spirit, we ask you to write it on our hearts. Guard my heart and my mind and my lips. Help me not to speak anything that does not reflect your words, Lord. Teach us. Convict, Spirit, where we need convicting. Use this to help us, your people, to stand firm. In Jesus' name. So the, the, the simple question this morning is, how do we stand firm? How do we today, with all that's going on in the world, stand firm? How do we today, with all that's going on in our nation, with all that's going on in the larger church body, how do we stand firm? Because it's easy to get shaken and tossed by storms and winds and and hard circumstances and trials and tribulations and all of these things that are going on. How do we pass on faith to our kids? 
How do we guard our own hearts, our own souls, so that at the end of the day, we can last through the storms. We too can stand firm. Uh, this won't surprise you coming from a guy who's at a church that is now called Rooted Church all of a sudden, but uh, I love trees. Anybody here a fan of trees at all? Yeah, there are a few of you. I, I think it goes back to being a kid. Um, I guess my body temperature is one that's always hot and sweaty all the time. Sorry, you didn't need to know that, but it came out, so there it is. But I'm hot all the time. Uh, I run hot, so I like trees because there's shade, right? I love shade. I can remember as a kid, I think my dad saying, one of these, one of these days I'm going to figure out how to bottle up shade and sell it, and we're going to be rich. Do you remember that, Dad? Do you remember saying that? I can remember my dad saying that. Still haven't figured it out. Well, if Keep going, there's time left, yep. Uh, but I, I love trees for shade. I love trees in the fall, right? We've got here in Colorado, we've got the gorgeous aspens. Uh, I grew up back east where fall, you get more than just the yellows and, and a little bit of orange and red. You just, you get it all, right, in fall, and it's glorious and beautiful. Uh, did you know, uh, from a guy who, who likes trees, and I'm not a tree expert by any means, but did you know that trees depending on their branch type, depending on their leaf types, they make different sounds when the wind blows through them. Like if you're in this type of tree grove, like it sounds totally different than when you're under that tree over there. Like trees, trees are great. And maybe it's because we're in Colorado too, and we got, I live out east, like towards Kansas. And so we got our all little stick trees there, but they're growing up a little at a time. I love trees. And so here in Colorado, one of those tree images that always sticks in my mind, my family loves hiking, we love North Cheyenne Canyon, Helen Hunt Falls, Seven Bridges, some great hikes there. Uh, but I love as you're going through ravines and, and all these intricate places, cliffs and all this stuff in the mountains, and you look up in spots and it's like cliff, right? And there's rocks and there's dirt and there's no soil there at all, and yet you see in places, you see these trees, and they're growing there, like right out of the side of a rock. And they're, they're grown, they've been there a while, and you look at that, and you're like, how is that tree there? And yet it is there, and it's standing firm. Like to, to be there for us to see this tree that's grown up here on the side of this cliff, how many blizzards and snowstorms has it outlasted? How many massive winds and hard frost at the wrong time of the year has it been hit with? Flooding, erosion, you name it, mudslides. And here's this tree standing there, rooted, grounded, standing firm, and through all of these storms and all of these things it's been hit with. Maybe you're not a tree person, maybe you're, that, that didn't help you a whole lot, but the good news is, is we've got Philippians here. And I think it's safe to say one of the overarching themes of this letter, and we've kind of been cruising through fast for you guys in a, in a two-month span here, one of the overarching themes uh, of what Paul is concerned with for this fledgling body of believers is that they would stand they're getting a hit with, with false teaching, false 
gospel. Beware the dogs, beware these guys, beware their teaching, right? So they've got enemies coming in, trying to lead them astray. We know, he says, for to you it's been granted not just to receive the gifts of God, but also to, to suffer for his sake. So we know they're going to be hit with suffering and persecution. And so Paul is concerned for them as he writes this letter that they would stand firm. And we see it here in 4.1. Therefore, we, we hear his heart, his love again for these people, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see as he's away at prison. My joy, my crown, in this way, stand firm. So this morning, we get to see what this looks like, practically speaking, in this way. What does Paul have in mind for this body? What does it look like for them in the circumstances they're facing to stand firm? We're going to get that. But again, before we go there, let's even go back. Like I said, this is an overarching theme. If we go back to the end of chapter 1, here's Paul's vision for this church, what he wants to see from them, 127, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's a loaded statement, right? yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit standing firm again with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and I'm not going to go back and preach this passage but this is one of my favorite passages here and I think Eric preached this one to you guys a, a month or two ago now but that's what Paul wants for them, that they would, would lock arms and maybe even more than lock arms, lock minds and hearts and together stand firm because they've got opponents and strive for the faith of the gospel together. So again, this is Paul's heart for them. And so if, if you, you put those bookends there around that section and this one now, we've got a lot of meat on this bone, a lot of content uh, on, on unity and on Christ and his, his humility and his becoming a servant and his obedience. Uh, there's, there's good content on uh, imitation and following the examples of others who've gone before. There's, there's incredible content on holding firm holding on to the gospel and clinging to Christ above all. And here's where we just turn that page from all that content to Philippians, let's talk specifics. How are you going to stand firm in what you're walking through? And first off, we get these words, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Ouch, right? Ouch, Paul's strongly coming out. I'm, I'm urging this of you guys. How would you like to have your name in the Bible for bad reasons, right? Like, it's okay to be Clement here. Clement and my fellow workers and brothers and all these guys, right? But like, ooh, they got, they got called out. These, these women get called out. And Paul says, number one way to stand firm, Philippians. Harmony, harmony. Uh, you, you could go, if you, if you go specifics on the translation, I actually like the translation harmony. Maybe we'll come back to that a little bit later. 
I like the translation harmony, but literally it's the same stuff that's back in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It's the same Greek word, phroneo. It's be of the same mind. And it doesn't mean, let's, let's go here quickly, uh, it doesn't mean, I don't think, agree on every single thing. If you go back again, the same word in that, that section in chapter 2, there's any encouragement to verse 1 in Christ, any, condition, any consolation of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. How? By being of the same mind. Here's what it looks like. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent in one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. With humility of mind, regard one another as more important. So here's what I'm saying. He doesn't go to, let's agree on every jot and tittle. And that's what he means by being of the same mind here. No, it's a mindset that says, even where we disagree and when we disagree, we're on the same page. We're all the same love for one another. We have the same purpose together. That's, that's what he's saying here to these two women, I think. And and let's just face it, we live in a world where we don't agree on everything. Maybe they didn't agree on everything. But he's saying to them, be of the same mind. Let's have the same mindset here. So he's brought it up in, in 2, 1 through 4, and he's back to it here now specifically. If you remember back in chapter 2, as far as motivation for them to, to be of the same mind, he's already played the Jesus card on them, Right? have the same attitude amongst yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's already played the Jesus card on them, right? We already went there, and he goes into the glories of 2, 5 through 11, the Christ hymn. Where else can he possibly go now with, these, with, with this same thing again, be of the same mind? And he's got more reminders for them. He's already gone to Christ. Let's look to him, 2, 5 through 11. But he has more for them. He is, he's asking for help. And again, here's, here's where this passage is fun. We, we just don't know all the specifics. We don't know all the specifics of what the disagreement is with Yodi and Syntica. We don't even 100% know who true companion is. Is it Titus? That is a word he uses at times of, of Timothy in different letters. Of, is it Titus? Uh, you can debate that till, till the end of the day, right? And we'll all miss the Super Bowl and it'll be fun. Um, but none of that ultimately matters. Hear what he has for them as far as other reminders for these women. Indeed, true companion, I ask you to help these women who have shared in my struggle. So he, he's using this in, in many ways. One, he's calling others to help them too, but I think he's also using it as a reminder for these women. We've shared in this same struggle together in the cause of the gospel. So I think we're talking about very clearly believers not unbelievers. We're talking about two women who have fought for the gospel, who have shared in that struggle, who are with the rest of these others, who he alludes to here, Clement, and others who are fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Paul, I think, is saying, Euodia is going to be there. Syntyche is going to be there. These are believers. These are fellow workers in the same cause, in the same struggle maybe gently reminding them here, and 
let's be of the same mind now because we will be together for all eternity. So if there's division here, let's, let's, let's work on that. Because the end goal is we're all there together, all gathered around the throne, all praising the king and singing of his glories and serving him. And we are going to be there with people we've disagreed with in the past. We're going to be there around the throne. And he's reminding them. So he's got more things here besides just playing the Jesus card all in, in, in two. Let's see the bigger picture here. So he urges them strongly be of the same mind. We're on the same team, working for the same goal, and we have eternity in mind here. Let's just be honest, brothers, sisters, friends. I think I used to think this passage was easy. Can't we just get along? Come on. I think we've all seen the last two years, there's a whole lot of plenty of stuff to disagree on. And I think the enemy is hard at work finding new things every day or month or season, it seems, for us to disagree on. Uh, the, the body of Christ, uh, at least in America, in the culture that we live in, that air we breathe in, I mean, we can fight over politics now as believers amongst one another. Uh, we can fight over Trump. We can fight over race. We can fight over, oh, good grief, masks and vaccines. and you like We, we got a, a laundry list of things where we can nitpick each other to death on over and over. And the enemy is just at work. So I don't think this passage is easy anymore. I think this is hard. We will disagree as brothers and sisters. And I, I don't think this means we have to all just fight to, to we, we're just going to have to, so we're going to force agreement on every issue. It's, it's just not going to happen. Paul's saying, let's be of the same love. Let's be of the same purpose. Let's be after the same things because we have the same eternity, the same goal to glorify Christ and bring him praise and honor. Can we fight for that? And it will be a fight. And it will be hard. Paul started that section back in chapter 2. Make my joy complete. Paul, proud papa of this church, is saying, nothing would bring me greater joy than if we could fight for unity. Being of the same mind with one another. So I take this this little verse or two on Yodi and Syntyche. And uh, to be frank and to be honest, I, I feel chastened here. Have I fought for unity? As hard as I get, as much as it depends on me, be at peace. This is hard. Uh, and, and I find Paul here in his heart through this letter rejoicing even when people preach the gospel with bad motives because they're still preaching the true gospel and he's in prison and he's going, it's a win. 
praise God. It's so easy to just nitpick. I'm reminded of, of Galatians where watch out, Paul says in Galatians 5, that, it, that if you pick at each other and you come after each other, watch out that you're not just consumed because instead we're, we're doing that. Back to that vision of the church in, in, in chapter 1, right? I mean, it's, it's this lock arms, stand firm together, striving for the faith of the gospel. Whether you look at a, a sports team, like a, a football team doing that, because it is Super Bowl Sunday, I'm aware of that. Uh, or whether you go to like Roman legions and things like that. If they're going to stand firm, if they're going to gain ground, if they're going to withstand the attacks in the heat of the battle, they've got to do it together. And if they turn on one another and there's fighting amongst themselves, then it's doomed from the start. The enemy will, will find that weakness and run us over. Here's what's, what's weird in today's passage. I've really got like eight different sermons. Um, there's a lot to get to, right? We, we just kind of divided this up quickly here. There's a whole lot of imperatives in here. I'm going to try to hit most of them if we can. I like the analogy, though, of harmony. I'm not a musician. I'm not going to pretend to be. They used to try to make me be one here at times at FRAC, uh, lead singing once in a while, which was silly, but we did it. Um, but I'm not a musician, but if I, at least in a very, very simplified way, I know harmony. That's why I said I, I like this translation. It's, it's people singing different parts, different pitches, but singing the same melody. So will there be disagreements? Do we have different gifts, different strengths, different emphases? Yeah, but we're all singing the same tune. All singing the same tune. And harmony, when it's done right, and it's not me in there singing my own thing, like just off on my own over here. Harmony, when it's done right and done well, it's better, it's glorious, it's beautiful when those pieces come together. I think unity matters a lot to Paul as he writes this letter. As I think bigger picture, I think it matters a lot to Jesus in his high priestly prayer, praying for his disciples that they would be one so the world would see and know who he is. It's a big piece of standing firm for Paul. So brothers, sisters, I don't have time to go into every caveat, and, and are there times to disagree? Yes. Are, are, we going to, are we going to separate if it's over the gospel? Yes. Are there places and times where there's different emphases and, and times to part ways? Maybe. I'm not going to cover all that here in this one sermon, right? But, but let's just at least just go here to wrap this up. I think it matters to Paul. I think it matters to Jesus. We need to take great care of how we disagree. Maybe that's one of the lessons God has for his church in these days, is that disagreeing doesn't get in the way of the gospel going forth and our witness to the world. And maybe we need to learn from 
some of these things, even when we disagree. Let's go on there. There's, there's much more in this passage. You've already heard a bunch of it. We get, we're getting to all the imperatives, and frankly, we'll just throw it out here. All of these are hard, brothers and sisters, so hold on. It's, there's more coming. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Oh, Paul. Yee, I... I I know this is here, but I prefer to shove it to the side. And, well, I, I got hard things, and don't you know my circumstances, and this and that. No, Paul writes to this church, rejoice in the Lord, in Jesus Christ, in what he's done, in what you have in him. Rejoice in the Lord always. He says it again, because it wasn't enough once. I'll say it again. Rejoice. This must be, it's, it's again a huge piece of this letter from beginning to end. This, this must be one of the hallmarks of the church. Not that I'm fake. Not that I'm happy clappy. Not that I put on airs and you know what I mean, right? Like, hey, how's it going, brother? No, not that. But in my circumstances, when they're hard, my name is in the book of life. J just the last few things backing up here, these last few verses that, that Jesus would save me and with his blood etch my name in the book of life. Uh, backing up a few verses in chapter 3, for our citizenship is in heaven no matter what's going on in America. I have a home and a king that will not be shaken, and a kingdom which will last forever. Citizenship in heaven from which we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, I know how the story is going to end, no matter how bleak it looks. And I know my Savior will come get me. And so I rejoice. He will transform the body of our humble state. This thing's going away, thank the Lord, to a body of glory. And it's a guarantee, brothers, because his power is so strong and so sure he has subjected all things to himself. He sits on the throne of the universe and no one can move him. So today, brothers, sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Paul is, is saying one, uh, again, I think Paul's mindset in this letter is Jesus is enough. If I've got him, I've got all I need. And it's possible, even in the hard things, to rejoice in him. I think standing firm looks like joy. And let's say it, let's say it clearly. Joy should not depend on my circumstances. Joy doesn't depend on things going the way I want or things being comfortable 
easy. You know, Jesus' cross that we've sung of and rejoiced in is true on my best day and my worst day. Joy is not circumstance dependent. With all that's going on in the world, here, here's one of my goals for myself. I don't think I'm strong at this yet. But it's so easy to, to worry and be anxious. We'll get there. That's the next verse, right? I want to be a person of joy. I want to be a person who, when people rub elbows with me, they go, what's wrong with that guy? Like, he's, he's got something different. He's got a hope. He's got peace. He's got joy. And I, I want to be more like that I want to grow old, and as my body falls apart, and as the world gets worse, I want to be a person who's still joyful. And oh, I have much to work on. Gentleness. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Wow, the time is flying. I just looked up, and we're only a few verses in. Uh... It's easy for any toddler to throw a fit. Gentleness is strength. I didn't think I had a temper until I became a parent. And then I learned I just stuffed it way deep down. And all of a sudden, things were popping out of me like, where did that come from? What's wrong with me? Gentleness is strength. Not popping off, not losing our cool. And it should be known to all. Paul encourages them, for the Lord is near. Six and seven, this one definitely deserved a sermon of its own, or two or three sermons of its own, right? Again, Paul, are you, are you sure, Paul? Be anxious. When? Once in a while when stuff's really hard? Regularly, as long as it's just low-key? Every day, because you just don't know what my life is like, so it's all right? Be anxious for nothing? For what, Paul? And it's not just turn off and, okay, don't, don't be anxious, don't be afraid, don't give it. No, it's, here's what I love about this passage. It's put off, but it's, it's put on. Paul points them this direction. So when, when temptation comes daily, weekly, monthly, regularly, fear, worry, what do I do? I turn to him. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in every circumstance that I face, whatever I face, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I love this, and again, I, I, I fall so far short of it, but I'm working at it, and he's changing me. Bring my requests bring my supplications. Like, if we could picture this room right now as, as a body of believers 
gathers, if we could see it, what should it look like? It would be a prayer over here and over there and right here and right, I see that prayer here and I'm an auctioneer, right? No, but we, this room right now, it's as we're singing, Lord be praised and be worshiped because you're so good to us. And it's as I see my brother or my sister, even across the room, it's Lord, I know, I know he's walking through hard things. Be with him and uphold him. And yes, go talk to him and encourage him afterwards as well. But it's, it's prayers and supplications. And it's, it's a child coming to his father. Lord, today, right now, I need you. Be near. Help, Lord. It's prayers flying up all over the place. And, and if that's just one worship gathering, what does it look like during the week? Picture all the believers over all the world and all our prayers going up all over the place. Lord, help. Lord, be near. Lord, we need you. Lord, be praised and worship. Lord, help my brother and my sister. And Lord, help me because I'm tempted to be anxious today. Because I've got these thoughts in my mind keeps going here. And it keeps getting pulled. And I know I'm getting pulled, Lord. And I don't want to get pulled. And I want to give these things to you and bring these things to you. Did you catch those two little words? With, well, the second one's not little. It's in English. With thanksgiving. But, but think about it, friends. Even in hard circumstances, thanksgiving is, is like a, a superpower to, to, to pull back. And But I know this is true, Lord. And I know you're good. And I know you hear my prayers. And I know you're for me. And I know you're sovereign. And I know you're strong. And I've seen you answer this prayer. And I've seen you lift us up and get us through that time. So, so now, in this moment, today, Lord, I give you thanks to pull back and see the bigger picture instead of just my, my circumstances. We live in a bad news world. It is bad news every day and I think our culture even wants to prey on us with bad news and fear. Give thanks. Stop. Pause. Turn the bad news off. Give thanks for the gifts and the good things he's done. And were we to make a list, we could fill every book in the world and we could keep on going for all of his kindness, for all of his goodness, for all that he's done. We bring these to God, and what's the result? Because sometimes it feels like I bring these things to God, and some days, sometimes it feels like it, it hit the ceiling and it didn't go anywhere. And some days it feels like, did that do anything or not? I, I don't feel better. I don't know. Did it, did it work? Did it not? And that's a very me-centered view, right? But, but no. Here's the promise. As we do these things, bring our requests as we bring thanksgiving the peace of God which surpasses 
all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take it to the bank, brothers and sisters. He will answer. He will be with his people. God himself, here's the, the, the fun part of this passage and at least throwing all these things together and trying to hit him in one sermon. In verse 7, we get the peace of God that will guard our hearts and minds. Verse 9, as he wraps this up, the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Both promises, the peace of God, the God of peace. Is God bothered by all that's going on in the world? Please, someone answer me. Not, not a moment. Is he hot and bothered? Is he worried? Is he, what's going on? And I can't believe things are so bleak and terrible. Not for a moment. He's God. He's in charge. Jesus has been given the throne of the universe, and nothing is going on outside of his plan or his will or his, his goodness, even the hardest things. He is the God of peace. And as we practice these things, he gives peace. our eyes on him as we come to him prayers thanksgiving that's his promise and it's not a promise that's just for eternity like okay yeah i get it lord someday i'm gonna have peace someday all of this is going away and someday every wrong will be righted no it's a peace for today right now all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's going to say. No matter what circumstances we're walking through today, he wants to give his people peace. So we pray always in everything, all the time. It will guard our hearts and our minds. If I was going to summarize these, these two main things from this passage, it's how do we stand firm? It's, it's harmony. And it's guarded hearts and minds. That's how you stand firm. Harmony, we do it together. And we do it having guarded hearts and minds. And one of those big pieces is prayer. And the next big piece see is what we think about finally brethren whatever's true and, and you guys could probably rattle this off many of you in order right true honorable right pure lovely of good repute if there is any excellence anything worthy of praise dwell on these things and if again your your memory is clear and you go back to chapter one paul's opening prayer he's He's praying for this people along these very lines. One nine, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge, in all discernment, so that what? So that you may approve 
the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's the very thing he's praying for them. Filled with knowledge and discernment so they they would know how to live because we don't get every answer for every circumstance right here in these pages. So they need wisdom. They need discernment. They need to think well. How does this apply to what I'm walking through? And they need to be tuned in. How we think matters. He's just said those who, who aren't Believers, At the end of chapter 3, for many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping, they're enemies of the cross whose end is destruction, their God is their appetite, glory is in their shame, who what? Who set their minds on earthly things. But not them, right? He turns it around, but our citizenship, these are the things we should be thinking on and dwelling. Our citizenship is in heaven where we eagerly await a savior transform our bodies how we think matters and I know a lot of, I don't know all the science but I know a lot of the science and I'm sure probably you know a lot of the science right neural pathways and things that are ingrained into our brains and, and on and on and I know there's a lot of truth to to that science but we don't have to be carried away. We don't just let our brains run us determined, programmed. No, we, we push back. We train ourselves to think by his word and by his spirit, and we spend time intentionally pursuing the right things, the best things, the excellent things, and, and we go there. And it's so easy in our world to spend our time on the worthless and the frivolous and be distracted with this and that and how else do we have guarded hearts and minds prayer thanksgiving setting our minds spending our minds time dwelling on the best of things and as I go through that list in short form Jesus embodies all of them. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely. I love verse 9. Obviously, this, this sermon, brothers, sisters, trying to hit all of these in one when it should have been three or four sermons, we're, we're going 30,000 foot view on a lot of these things here. I get that. So dive in more this week where I have fallen short. But I love verse 9, the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. Again, I, I come at this passage and I go, rejoice always. It's hard. In everything anxious for nothing by prayer and supplication. Be in harmony. Be of the same mind. These things are hard, and, and I think the temptation 
at least for me anyway, is to go, I mean, Paul, that's, this is pretty out there, man. That's, that's Paul, right? I mean, he's, he's super zealous, and he's this, and he's that. Like, all those thoughts come into my head. No, here's the promise. That this is not far-fetched. That this is not beyond us. Paul's not just hammering them with these impossible demands. No, the promise is that as we work and as we fight and as we practice and put time and effort into these same things, we will find God faithful. And we will stand firm in all that he's called us to walk. practice these things. Maybe he's even poking you on, on one of them. And you can this week dive in even deeper on that one or that two. Stand firm, church. Stand firm, brothers, sisters. Let's pray together. Father, this is your word, and if I got in the way, forgive me. Write your word on our hearts. Give us, Spirit, what we need from this. For your glory, King Jesus, because as we practice and as you keep your promise and as we are transformed into the image of your Son, we bring you glory and honor, as we are a people of joy, as we are a people who put off anxiousness, put on prayer and thanksgiving, as we walk in harmony to the best of our ability, you get the glory. People go, What's, what is going on there? Would you do that through us, King Jesus? you are worthy. Pray it in your name.